stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. We've been hearing a lot more lately about what's known as United Front, uh, groups that are essentially doing the bidding of the Chinese government in other countries, including Canada. Uh, This first came to light a few weeks ago and some reporting from Global News on the extent to which uh, United Front groups uh, have been gathering up personal protective equipment and sending it to China uh, before China really fully disclosed the seriousness uh, of the COVID-19 situation in that country. We're also hearing more as well on how some of these groups are are putting pressure on expats, uh, immigrant communities in Canada uh, through intimidation uh, and, and even just surveillance. And so the implications of that, obviously, I I think are are very concerning. Now, I want to play for you here, first of all, because uh, Global's Janet Silver uh, was able to ask the prime minister about all of this today. Uh, So here's the question and his response. Chinese Canadians, including human rights advocate uh, Anastasia Lin, say community members are under pressure from the Chinese government for their influence networks around the world, like United Front. They fear for family members back in China if they speak out, and they also say that they don't have any support here in Ottawa. And I'm just wondering what your government is doing to expose and stop the influence of the United Front here in Canada. The Canadian government has always highlighted concerns around human rights and uh, and respect for uh, basic uh, human democracies and, and liberties uh, with every country that we uh, we engage with around the world, including China. Uh, at the same time, we are strong supporters and defenders of the right to free speech, the right to protest, uh, the right to express themselves here in Canada and elsewhere around the world. We will continue to defend human rights uh, while at the same time looking to uh, protect uh, Canadians everywhere around the world, uh, and this is something we'll continue to do. Well, certainly, look, Canadians have the right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, and obviously that includes all Canadians, including Chinese Canadians. So the idea, though, that there would be foreign influence and foreign pressure on certain communities uh, when it comes to being able to speak out about certain issues uh, should concern us very much. Uh, So you heard uh, Global's uh, Janet Silver mention uh, in the question there, uh, Anastasia Lin, uh, who's a well-known uh, Chinese-Canadian uh, actress uh, and model, uh, is now an ambassador for the McDonald laurier Institute on Canada-China issues and has been uh, speaking out uh, about many of these issues. And we're very pleased to welcome her to the program here this afternoon. Uh, Anastasia Lin, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for speaking with me. Um, for you personally, and I mean, you, you've been more outspoken about this in, in recent years, I guess, as you become more aware of, of the extent of this and what it means for, for Chinese Canadians. When did you first become aware of some of these United Front groups and, and what it was they were involved in? Well, I guess maybe when I first came out of China, um, I witnessed a lot of uh, Well, I guess I can put it this way. I was not aware of the nature of this kind of work, and I was even participating a little bit in helping people that are coming out of China and coming here to pass on their message, if you know what I mean. Um, When I first came to Canada when I was 13 years old, it took a very long process for me to familiarize myself with the democratic process, the institution, and the values. 
And that's not really a particularly pleasant process because uh, I suddenly realized my entire life's indoctrination, the 13 years in China, was all indoctrination is based on lies. And um, a lot of things we were taught about how there's always anti-China foreign forces that's at play, constantly trying to uh, undermine China's sovereignty. Therefore, we need to stick to the rule of the Communist Party, otherwise we won't be protected. And so that kind of thing took a very long time to shut off. And um, uh, and I realized how wrong it was to sort of press on that kind of view on the rest of the world. Because when I was in China, I was a communist youth leader. So I did a lot of the indoctrination work, even in my um, the first two years of middle school to the rest of my classmates. And because the society was structured that way, and there's no alternative rhetoric, like there's no alternative idea or values that you can learn. So that was the way to do things. Only after I came out to Canada did I realize that that's really wrong. So um, when I start to realize that the Chinese Communist Party is actually making a lot of people who are not aware to be complicit and even assisting in their indoctrination and crimes, um, that's when I started to get more in touch with the dissidents. And then uh, I got involved in television roles that plays the story that are um, sensitive to the Chinese Communist Party. For example, like in the Sichuan earthquake, the... Uh, or, hello? Can you mm -hmm. hear me? Yeah, um, they were, were really shoddy, so a lot of children died because of that. And the shoddiness was because of the Chinese Communist Party's corruption. So because of that, um, I, there's not a lot of Chinese actress at that time um, that speaks fluent Chinese that uh, probably are willing to play this kind of role because it almost certainly guarantees that you won't be able to go back to China and find a job. So I get more in touch with these community and start realize that there's a story to be told there and there's a lot of voices that are being silenced um, and probably not actively by the Western society but they're certainly marginalized and mm -hmm. a lot of them because they're not familiarized uh, familiar with the way that Westerners scholars journalists express themselves so um, there's also a language gap oftentimes so that's when I start to feel like I, I should use my voice for to tell their story as well. Right. Yeah. And, and once you start doing that, though, and, and the, the, there is some personal cost that, that they become aware of who you are. Uh, and, and, you know, if you or others, I mean, if you have family members still in China, right, I mean, there, there's, there's a price to be paid because they, they will target you and they, they will target family members. I didn't go into this kind of work un unconscious of the risk that yeah. might be involved, but I only heard a lot of people say that this is what happened to them, their families or back home were being invited to tea. That's a, a Chinese way of saying that the National Security Guard or the secret police will invite your family member back in China uh, to have a issue a vague threat of reprisal to say that if your overseas family don't shut up, then we're going to do this and that. So I heard of stories like that, but I still didn't think that it was going to happen to me because Miss World Canada is a Canadian national pageant. Uh, it, it sort of it has this public profile that I thought the Chinese Communist Party wouldn't want to have such a public exposure in their intimidation tactics. Therefore, they probably are not going to threaten me. But how wrong was I? They uh, did go to my father and they told him that if I don't become silent, um, if I don't stop speaking about 
in their terms is politics or human rights related issue, then my family is going to be persecuted like in the Cultural Revolution. And I think um, to this day, my grandparents, my father, are all being prohibited from traveling outside China. And my father's business has um, been destroyed by the Communist Party after my human rights work started. He's, wow. um, I think he's bankrupt. But like in China, they don't use the word bankrupt. Um, they use something else, closed or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we talk about these United Front groups, and, and so there, there is a, a department in Beijing, the United Front Work Department, and I think that's connected as well, as I understand, to the Office of Overseas Chinese Affairs, I think it's called. So there are different associations and groups that exist in other countries, like here in Canada, that I guess would fall under this, this umbrella of, of United Front. Is that right? And that's true. And a lot of these uh, so-called community leaders, they're not really leaders of Chinese Canadian, definitely not. They're activists. And oftentimes, they voluntarily in China, uh, inside China, attend these overseas Chinese leader Qiaolian um, conferences, where they're being trained to tell the China story. I mean, this is purely quotes from what they say, like tell the China story. Basically, it means how to combat and peril the criticism there toward Chinese Communist Party. And because a lot of Chinese grew up in an environment where they're being indoctrinated with the kind of rhetoric that the Communist Party is the sole savior of China, and that if someone criticizes the Communist Party, they're criticizing China. So the whole idea about Communist Party is tied with nationalism, patriotism, even the identity of being a Chinese ourselves. Um, so that's, uh, that sort of confused a lot of Chinese uh, people and also overseas Chinese. When, like a lot of international students, when they hear people criticizing the Communist Party, they feel like it's a personal attack to them. But that's mm-hmm. because of a long-time indoctrination that changed their mindset to have that kind of confusion. But does it seem to you, though, like something has, has changed, that there's maybe more of a willingness uh, to, to speak out in, in the aftermath of, of the uh, the outbreak and China's handling of the outbreak? Are, are Chinese Canadians feeling maybe a little more emboldened or is there just more outrage that there are more people willing to, to speak out and criticize? Well, I certainly see that because I see more Chinese people posting about their stories. At the beginning of the pandemic, when China was hiding, Chinese Communist Party was hiding the news in Wuhan, but a lot of courageous doctors and nurses posted video and stories online to tell the rest of the world about that. And so uh, the Chinese, overseas Chinese who had the free access to information would send these messages back then to their Chinese family who are under censorship. And these um, messages sometimes go on WeChat or or, uh, private messages and then uh, I hear a lot of stories like they experience the silence from their Chinese family members as if they are the overseas anti-China forces that's trying to sabotage China and when they receive this kind of treatment I think they it somehow um, make them more aware of what the Communist Party have been indoctrinating even their family back home and themselves and some things just became so clear all of a sudden, and there's also this primal instinct of people wanting to be safe. And a lot of Chinese I've noticed that has realized that they've been pushed to the wall. And this pandemic is there's nowhere lower to go than that. Um, and it's really the communist Chinese uh, communist party's fault that their families' lives are in in, in danger. 
So that makes them much more willing to be vocal about their opposition to the Communist Party's action. Uh, that said, though, I mean, it seems as though there's there's still a need to, uh, you know, identify uh, and, and expose uh, some of these United Front groups to make sure that the Chinese Canadians are protected from this kind of intimidation. How do we do that? What more can we do, do you think? Uh, first of all, mainstream media and politicians must really be vocal to support these Chinese um, uh, Diaspora or Chinese Canadian, and there are a lot of Canadian Chinese Canadian that are not directly from mainland. They may be born in Canada, and they don't agree with. They have never received indoctrination to have any kind of sentiment with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and a lot of Chinese immigrants who actually come from mainland China, but after they came to Canada, they realize they actually familiarize themselves with the value of freedom and understand what democracy is all about. And then their voices, it's very difficult already for them to speak up because of the intimidation tactic from the Communist Party. If they don't receive support, then like, who is there to support them when they want to speak out? There's no government that will protect them from the Communist Party's uh, intimidation. But when Canadian governments and mainstream media are willing to be vocal, the Communist Party realizes that there's going to be a reputational cost to what they do, and then they're probably not going to be as brazen in trying to secretly intimidate Chinese people outside. So being vocal about it is like probably way more significant than people realize. Absolutely. Uh, well, more to your website, AnastasiaLynn.com, and uh, the work you're doing as well with McDonald Laurier Institute as their ambassador on Canada-China policy, McDonaldLaurier.ca. Anastasia, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you very much. All the best to you. Take care. Uh, that is Anastasia Lynn, as mentioned, uh, well-known Chinese-Canadian model and actress, a former Miss World Canada. And in fact, after becoming Miss World Canada, she'd attempted to, to go to China uh, to compete uh, in the worlds, and they actually denied her entry because she had been uh, outspoken on so many of these issues. But the intimidation that uh, she suffered and also relatives she still has in China, it's, it's quite something. And that's, that's how this all functions. So we should see it as a, a sovereignty issue. Uh, and, and certainly it's not something we should, we should tolerate in Canada. Our number here, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.